Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And today I am so excited to welcome author TJ Alexander to the show. TJ is the author of last summer's smash hit Chef's Kiss and their latest book, Chef's Choice, hit shelves May 30th. I am so sad that I wasn't able to join Phoebe with her interview with TJ Alexander because I am reading chef's kiss right now and i am loving it so much it's going to be a top read for me this year i can't believe i missed it last summer it's one of those books that i think kind of flew under the radar because june is a month where tons of books are coming out may and june i think like those pub dates can get Mm -hmm. so jam-packed and it was one of my favorite audiobooks of 2022 and then I read Chef's Choice over the Trans Rights Readathon in March that weekend and was smiling from ear to ear. I loved this book. I was really, this is probably one of the first times I got to share with an author directly the quotes that I had like tabbed and highlighted. And TJ was just an utter delight. And do not fear, Ashley is mentioned a number of times. <laughs> throughout this episode I know that makes me so sad that I couldn't experience it firsthand like I I had so many questions for them I had them all ready like what I was gonna ask and one of the things I really appreciate from Chef's Kiss is Simone talking about her sexuality in Mm -hmm. the workplace and I thought that that was such an important conversation and I just wanted to ask them about that and then the transition between the first book their first book and then the second book and I'm loving Luna so I'm so glad that you got to have that conversation with them and just kind of like hear all those thoughts and now all of our listeners get to as well so here's my conversation with TJ Alexander Welcome to Read It or List It. I am so excited to welcome today's author, TJ Alexander, author of Chef's Kiss and the recently released Chef's Choice. I'm so excited to have TJ on. I talked about Chef's Kiss incessantly last summer and Ashley just read it herself. Ashley's not able to join us for today's interview, but I have lots of text messages from her uh, of proof of how much she loved it as well. So welcome, TJ. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. This is great. Great to be here. So I don't even know where to begin because there are so many things that I want to talk about. But Chef's Choice is your latest novel that is releasing. Well, at the time of this interview, we'll be releasing on May 30th. And how are you feeling in the run up to your second book coming out? Um, well, yesterday, I think I tweeted something like I just opened a soda and it sprayed everywhere. And instead of like, figuring out how to fix it, I just ran around in a panic and got everything really wet and messy. Um, it feels like that. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> okay. it feels like absolute chaos, but like for no good reason. It's all internal. It's all just me freaking out inside for, you know, well, while meanwhile, everything's going fine, actually. <laughs> like if I just like stopped panicking, I would see that everything's going fine. You know, the book's coming out in a couple of weeks and, um, and it's going to be a fun time. But, you know, I can't help but feel like 
nervous about it going out finally of course I can't blame you at all for that I know that writing can be such like a solitary venture and then all of a sudden something that's so personally yours belongs to the masses and it happens very quickly especially when it's you know I know that this is a book that so many people are highly anticipating and I read it back in March I think and I only had one other friend who had a copy so we were reading it at the same time and I like felt the, like this very like personal thing that we got to like share because nobody else was reading it. Oh, and I love that. and soon it's going to be enjoyed by so many people. So let's talk a little bit about the premise of Chef's Choice. So we do get to see some characters from um, Chef's Kiss. We do get to see Simone and Ray from Chef's Kiss, but. Give us every author's favorite thing to do. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what Chef's Choice is about? I can. So it is a a sequel to Chef's Kiss, but I've been telling people who have very kindly asked that you don't have to read the first book to enjoy this one. You just might get like a little uh, fun, fun little tickle to see some of the characters from the first book. Uh, do some cameos in this one but you know it's it is a standalone it's so this is the story where Luna um, who was Simone's roommate in book one gets her own romantic adventure Um, so the story opens with Luna uh, being fired from her job her office job and she's sort of in a precarious position because of that when she is approached by a young man who is in need of a fake girlfriend um then like hijinks and sue (laughs) hijinks and sue so she and jean-pierre the um fake boyfriend uh have to not only pretend to date but also they need to learn to cook some very complicated french cuisine um in order for him to inherit you know an estate like how all romance heroes do these days <laughs> a chateau it's so yeah important. he's gotta get that chateau um so that's that is the premise the basic premise and so there's a lot of food a lot of um baking fails a lot of just um these two characters being silly and they both happen to be trans mm-hmm JP is so swoony like I have my tabs of just mostly like lines that JP says that are just like like floor flattening you're just like oh my goodness (laughs) yeah well he's (laughs) European so I could get away with him saying things that like no man in America would ever say oh that's true I didn't think about that yeah maybe that's why I was like oh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a lot of leeway into saying things for hit for his character to say things that are like way more romantic and you know than I think uh uh a normal person would say. He's definitely not a normal yes. person. So refreshing though. And I will say, I know that y- you don't have to read the books in order, but if you do not read Chef's Kiss, you are missing out on the sunshine delight that is Ray. And everyone needs to experience Ray. So you can read Thank this on you. its own. But I, I would also say I encourage you to read both because, <laughs> you know, that's two books sold if you do. 
read both and chef's kiss is very good on audio i read it via audio last year and then had to get myself a physical copy because i loved it so much um, yes the amazing m grossland um narrated the chef's kiss audiobook and did an amazing job and uh nikki andrace is going to be narrating the chef's choice audiobook and i am very much looking forward to that um i have not heard it yet i'm very excited well i can't wait to listen as well now, these two books center on characters who are, I mean, I would say the differences between um, Luna and Simone as our protagonists, and then um, obviously Ray and uh, Jean-Pierre are vastly different mm. oh, <laughs> um, yeah. romantic interests. So what was it like? What were the differences in writing these two stories? So, well, the biggest, the big difference um, between writing my first book and my second book is uh, knowing that the second book was going to be published mm -hmm. as I was writing it. You know, my, my first book, Chef's Kiss, was my debut. Um, I had never been published before. And it, while I was working on it, while I was writing it, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun if someday I, like, could sell this and, like, maybe see you know, um, where it goes, but I, I didn't know that that was going to happen, um, for sure. Uh, but with this book, with Chef's Choice, um, not only did I know, I was like contractually obligated <laughs> to do it. Like, it had to be done. <laughs> it had to be done. It was happening. It, there was no, like, you know, there was, there was no world in which it wasn't going to be published. I think, I don't know exactly, but like, I'm pretty sure. If only um, we had the lawyer here for that. that yeah. You know, I like, okay. I, listen, that's why I have an agent to explain <laughs> yeah. these things to me. But as far as I am aware, like I was like, oh, so this book is definitely happening. That's a different, a completely different experience. Um, but also it was a really freeing one because I think uh, when I was writing Chef's Kiss, the story of those two characters, um, which, you know, dear listener, if you haven't read it, that's okay. It's a, a story about, um, you know, two people in a culinary test kitchen falling for each other. And, and one of them comes out as non-binary in the workplace during the course of that. And that story was very much um, a gender 101 <laughs> kind of experience mm -hmm. for a lot of readers. Um, and, and because the story necessitated that, it needed to kind of explain um, to readers because we needed to explain it to the main character, to Simone, who was a cis woman. Um, and that was a story kind of born out of me having those conversations while I was coming out to my friends and family. Uh, and that was sort of like my little love letter to them, you know, trying their best yeah. <laughs> and, and coming along with me for that. But then like when I switched gears to write Chef's Choice, you know, this is a story about two trans people who are already out when they meet each other, who, um, you know, have, have to some extent transitioned, you know, already or, or, you know, uh, so far. And there wasn't as much of a need to be like, okay, this is what this means. And this is how mm. you refer to people. And this is how you, you know, it, I could just kind of get into what I really wanted to talk about at that point in my life, which was very, you know, lucky. And I feel very fortunate, which was, you know, the, the things that trans people want to complain about. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So we get to have a lot of like, you know, discussions and and kind of philosophical arguments between these two trans characters about 
you know, how they're performing their gender and, and what it means for them to live in the world. And they have such vastly different experiences, not just because, you know, Luna's a woman and, and Jean-Pierre is a man, but because like Jean-Pierre is very rich, like mm. incredibly, ridiculously, ludicrously rich and is being exposed to, you know, how the other half lives, I guess, when he meets Luna. So yeah, I think that, that writing this story uh, was a big departure just, you know, in how I was constructing um, the plot and, and how the characters uh, react uh, to situations and, and yeah. interact with each other. But it was also just kind of like, oh, I know people are going to be reading this, which was, um, uh, I guess, could have been a different kind of pressure. But I, you know, I actually was very glad to know that someone would be reading it and that I wasn't just kind of you know, sure. doing something that, yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with it? Yeah. And I know as for myself, as someone who is cis, like the the differences in reading the two books of like, you know, I'm I'm an actor, so I've been very blessed to have a lot of LGBTQ plus friends and family members in my life who've, you know, always helped me understand in very generous ways. And I was in a play where um, my character fell in love with her best friend not knowing that their best friend was trans and that I, I could connect to Simone a lot in that way but then something I really appreciate uh, and you know we hear this a lot about when we're reading about people who have different life experiences than us different different genders different race and anything like that it's not all about the hardships we want to read about the joy and queer joy and that how important that is and something that I appreciated about Jean-Pierre was that because of his financial situation he didn't quite understand like what it was like for someone like Luna who had to work really really hard to be able to be there themselves um authentically and but then also experience like these like fun sweet tender moments and so I think that's the magic of romance and what like drew you to romance as a writer and as a reader well I think I got into romance at a pretty young age I think a lot of people have had this experience I was saying like every single romance author I have on says that I'm like oh we were all reading books that we weren't supposed to be reading oh a hundred percent like I, I've told this story to to folks before, like, you know, you're at a vacation home with your extended family for the summer. There's like a bookshelf where it's read a book, take a book. There are so many books there that are like not appropriate for a child, but like all the adults are drinking beer on the back patio mm -hmm. and no one is paying attention to you. So like, yeah, I'm gonna like choose some books with some like really hot people on the cover and see what this is all about is kind of like, what I remember, uh, you know, as a as a precocious young kid getting into that. Um, and also just like I was reading a lot. I was reading anything I could get my hands on. So it made sense to me to, you know, just just go for whatever I could. And I remember really enjoying romance and enjoying how the story wasn't just about like there's a problem and we need to solve it. There is, or there can be in romance, a problem that you need to solve. But like the main problem should be like, how are we going to get to kiss at the end <laughs> for like a, an extended period of time and, and be happy forever? Like that is as like 
a solution to a problem was to me like, oh, okay, I'll enjoy this solution. <laughs> um, but you know, then I get, I got older and so, sort of started seeing that like, oh, these books aren't meant for me. These are, mm. you know, back when I was a kid, the romance books that were out, that at least the ones that I had access to were overwhelmingly for white straight people um who wanted a very specific you know genre of of romance that was popular at the time and i i you know i i wouldn't say i grew out of it i just sort of like got you know a little a little grumpy about like well i can't see me in any of these characters or even like a, a sliver of me so like you know i guess i guess i'll just stop i'll just stop reading it so i i did i came back to it later as an adult um and just thought like you know i i've always wanted to <laughs> i've always wanted to give this a shot who knows maybe something will come of this so yeah that's how that's how i started writing the first book um yeah yeah I love that and it's I, I just can only imagine like how special it is that now this next generation of kids will come up with so many more books that are that they will see themselves in and I mean we talk about all the time the, the how awful the the ideas of these book bands are and like mm. this is why we don't we don't need them because we need these stories and everybody needs these stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the idea that like, you're going to make sure a kid is not going to be trans by taking away any, you know, representation that they could get their hands on of a trans person in, in a piece of media is just, is just patently silly. It's just right. patently silly because I didn't have it as a kid and guess what? <laughs> right. Like it still happened. <laughs> so, you know, I just, yeah, I I hope um, unofficially that, you know, whoever wants to get their hands on a, a title that is not appropriate for their age can somehow do that just like I did. I, you know what? I, I think that there it happens. So many people have that story for a reason. And we reach for these things because we somehow, I feel like the universe, like, I'm not big on like, the woo-woo aspect of things but I do think that things come to us at the right time and can set us up <laughs> that's so funny that you say that because I have I also do not feel like I'm a woo-woo like oh everything is I don't know, crystals or whatever like yeah. I don't think of myself as that kind of person it was very funny writing Luna who is a very mm -hmm. woo-woo into astrology and and all these things that I've never you know really gotten into um but like, as I was kind of like, I, you know, getting more into her character and writing more from her point of view, I was like, maybe she's got something here. Like, I don't, I don't believe it. But like, I just heard that like Mercury's going out of retrograde today. And like, ooh, maybe things are going to get easier for you. And I was like, maybe. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. like. <laughs> I know. Maybe. But that's like, I, don't know. I, I, um, I'm like, so I fall victim to the TikToks all the time that are like use this sound and interact three times because I'm like I'm having a bad day and I just need something to tell me that it's going to be better um, yeah yeah everyone's just looking for like some little thing that's yeah. going to I don't know make them feel a little bit better I think right. 
I mean, isn't that what romance books are all about? A hundred percent. And I think that is what, I mean, obviously you were giving us the tropes at the top of the episode, but it's fake dating. So these two people come together out of necessity, not Mm. necessary. Although I will say there's a little bit of Insta attraction at that, that first meeting. Oh yeah. (laughs) Jean-Pierre is a pathetic man who who we love. I just... I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for the women that I know in the world, but I just feel like women love men who are pathetic and just like into them immediately. And like, they're so, he's so into Luna that like, it's really making him deranged. (laughs) Here on Read It or List It, we call it the soft boy. Yes. Oh, I love that. We love soft boy. Um, Not quite cinnamon roll. A little bit. It's not grumpy sunshine because they're both a little bit grumpy in their own way. But he's definitely got soft boy energy, which is delightful and just so. But he's so. But to everybody else. And that's the best part. That is the best part of a romance hero when the hero is all about his girl. Yeah. And then hates everybody else. (laughs) Oh, like yes. And he, I mean, he is perhaps ride or die almost immediately, which she does not at all even pick up on because she's just like trying to make rent. (laughs) Right. But they have this like that aspect of her that is so, you know, I guess I don't know if spiritual is the right word or, you know, into the astrology things. Um, their juxtaposition to each other is just so wonderful to read and their banter is like next level fabulous oh, I I'm love... so glad to hear that because I do love writing dialogue I I love their dialogue it is it's so fun and um, have you gotten to do like a lot of like in-person book events or anything like that I know I, we're still in like no. a weird middle ground of like in-person stuff Yeah, so when Chef's Kiss came out last year, things, uh, at least in New York City, were still pretty uh, meh on in-person events as far as, like, you know, COVID restrictions and things went. Um, This year, though, uh, I am going to be doing, like, my first in-person events when this book comes out. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, I will be wearing a mask because I'm a big scaredy cat and I don't want to get sick. But um, everyone, please, like, you know, check out my website. And if you're around the New York, Vermont, Rhode Island area, I think those are like the big hits that are happening. Oh, so exciting. We'll have to we'll put all that information in our show notes. Um, I ask that because I guess I love to see like what your favorite like reader reactions have been. Well, uh, yeah, since I haven't been seeing anybody in person, it's been mostly like through, you know, DMs or Mm -hmm. messages online. Um, But I've gotten some really sweet ones. Like when Chef's Kiss came out, um, I had a few messages from readers who, you know, were non-binary or in a relationship with a non-binary person. And they were just, you know, very sweetly, you know, saying how they had connected to, to Ray and Simone's story. And that was very nice. But I think the ones that were the most affecting were I was getting some messages from a lot of people's um, moms and dads and saying like, you know, my, my kid thought that I should read this book or like I picked up this book because my kid recently came out as non-binary, you know, some, sometimes a a child, child or an adult kid. Um, And, you know, I just wanted to say like, thank you. And like, I feel like I, you know, 
understand a lot better what, where they're coming from after having read this. And that was just like, oh, yeah, like, oh, just kick me in the heart. Why don't you moms? Like, <laughs> I loved that. I loved that, it so much. That guy, I'm in like a bunch of like reader, like Facebook groups, which is the only thing that Facebook is good for these days. And the thing I whenever a parent is like, oh, my child is going through this right now. Does anybody have any recommendations for, you know, the college process or dating and things like that? And so when I, that's really special. I'm glad that, um, you know, we can, we can have both things. We can learn things and we can also have really fun, sexy banter between characters. True. It's true. You have a lot of exciting things coming up. I was perusing your website and you have a holiday novel coming out. I do. This year is a two book year for me. Holler at your boy and (laughs) (laughs) um this december december 5th uh my third book second chances in newport stephen is coming out it is a holiday book it is a second chance book it is about south florida um which is where i grew up and i i'm just this book is I'm, i'm about to start working on the copy edits um to it this week actually and i I'm almost like sad that it's over, you know, like oh. that it's going to go into production and go out into the world. Like, obviously I, I want that to happen, but I'm also like, I, I'm going to miss these guys so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a, a story about um, Eli, who is a trans man. He is about to turn 40. He's 40 ish, 40, 39, 40 ish. We all are. Um, and <laughs> he has also lost his job, very similar to Luna. Um, he's in a bad, he's in a tough spot. And so he is going back to his hometown to uh, visit his parents for the holidays with the um, idea that he might be stuck there um, for the foreseeable future, um, which he is feeling a lot of feelings about. Um, and then he reconnects with his old boyfriend from high school, a man named Nick, who was like kind of the one that got away and they rekindle um, their friendship slash romance. I'm so excited. I, what I saw, I love holiday books. I just, I don't care what holiday is. I love that (laughs) time of year just makes me very excited and um I the funny part is is that when I saw the cover which is fantastic um I grew up in Connecticut so not far from Newport Rhode Island so I thought the title was second chances in Newport Stephen (laughs) like Stephen get with it (laughs) and I was like no it's Newport Stephen no, no, it's yeah. It's a it's, it's a town named Newport Stephen, and it is a fictional town in South Florida. It does not exist, although I've gotten a lot of messages from Floridians on Instagram who were like, "It's my town, right? You can just say it's my town." And I'm not going to say it's your town, but if you want to believe it's your town, it's your oh, town. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. I at this point in life, I don't really feel like messing with Florida. No, I mean, who does? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of feelings about this book. Um, not just because I wrote it, but because I, I, like I said, I grew up in South Florida. Um, very similar to these these two main characters, and uh, I have a lot of survivor's guilt about being one mm. of the people who got out and is able to stay out. And 
also, you know, feeling uh, a lot of grief about, you know, I, I wrote the bulk of this book in South Florida. I went down um, last summer to kind of, you know, bang out a rough draft. And, you know, I didn't know when I left after that trip that like that that might be the last time I go back for like mm -hmm. a very long time. I mean, I hope not. I hope that things start turning around. I, I know there are a lot of cool people um, working very, very hard and doing important work in Florida to try and make that happen. But, you know, it's just, it's a very precarious situation down there for yeah. a lot of folks. Obviously a little bit of a, a turning conversation, but we continue to bring up these topics because, you know, especially for those of us who are in a position of safety, you have to keep being loud and standing up for these people and making sure that everybody is safe and has a, a safe home life. Yeah. Because... And, and for anyone like now feeling like about smashing that pre-order button, <laughs> I mean, it, it does not shy away from the fact that Florida um, has and continues to be super unsafe for, you know, not just trans people and, and gay people, but people of color, especially black people. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it also is a very fun, funny book and it's silly and a lot of like, you know, jokes are in it. So like, yeah, well, that's very similar to how those, um, those folks have to kind of soldier on and live life uh, despite the horrors. Um, right. This book does that too. So that's yeah. what we say. The the duality of romance is that yeah. you can you can have both things because the most universal thing in life is love and love stories and how uh, no matter how they turn out, but you know life does go on around a love story. Yeah, and and I also think that especially in a romantic comedy, which is what all three of these books that I've written so far are, um, you know, the comedy is kind of heightened by the the bummer stuff right like mm -hmm. sad you know depressing things happen um and the fact that it's overcome is what makes that you know that happy ending happier it's what makes the jokes i think sharper in a lot of ways is to have that contrast um so yeah that's that's how i approach it anyway uh yeah. Well, we'll have a link to pre-order in the show notes. Like I said, the cover is amazing and I'm sure I will be talking about it nonstop and it will be appearing in my holiday reading guide. Uh, <laughs> but Love until it. then, you will do have your, your appetite satisfied uh -huh, with yeah. Chef's Choice. And um, this takes place in the foodie world. Um, yes. And so do you cook? Like, are, is that something that you enjoy? I do cook. I'm a home cook. I am not a professional, although I have worked in bars and restaurants since I was nine. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not child labor if it's a family business. No, I was going to say, like, you your, know, your family have a restaurant. <laughs> um, I know the lawyer isn't here, so maybe <laughs> I, I'm, I could be corrected possibly, but that's what I was told anyway when I was a child. <laughs> Um, yeah, my, my folks owned, uh, a restaurant and bar when I was small and I grew up kind of doing every job, uh, in that restaurant, except for the cooking, which was supposed to be like, you know, a very gendered thing, a very male, mm. older male thing. Um, 
And it wasn't until I was, you know, in college and like had to fend for myself food wise that I got interested in like, oh, I should probably, I should, first of all, I should probably learn how to feed myself. And like, second of all, like, look at all the things that are like coming to, you know, into media around then. That was like the the huge boom in food related media. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Food Network got huge and Iron Chef reruns were being played in America. And I was just so fascinated by food as entertainment, as well as this thing that you have to do to survive. Um, that I just like, I don't know, I've always really gravitated toward it. So yeah. while Chef's Kiss kind of deals with the the making of food entertainment and that it takes place in a, a test kitchen and they're doing like a web series, um, Chef's Choice kind of takes place a little bit more in the restaurant world mm-hmm. and and especially in like the high class um, restaurant world. Uh, and I just, yeah, I really love restaurants. <laughs> I, miss, I miss going out to fancy restaurants very, very much. Oh, and um, this was, this was part of my kind of just like, oh, I just want to like talk about like little medallions of meat, beef and, yeah. you know, gem lettuce and things like that. So uh, yeah, that's what Luna and Jean-Pierre kind of tackling is um well and then neither of them well luna cooks um but jean pierre fry an egg yeah she can she can do like a grilled cheese she can do basic (laughs) stuff but she can't like bake a cake from scratch um when we first when she and jean pierre first uh meet and and jean pierre can't do anything because he's rich Yes. Um, and despite being like, you know, the child of these restaurateurs and and the heir to this culinary empire, um, he has never learned to cook um, and now has to. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of um, fun stuff uh, happening yeah. when they tackle that. Do you have a favorite food or something that you favorite thing that you like to cook? Ooh, oh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> I, I love all of my children equally. Um, I was like, my, I, mine is Italian wedding soup. <laughs> oh, a soup is good. Definitely a soup is a good thing to have in your pocket because you can feed a lot of people. And, you know, depending on like what you throw in, you know, you can usually throw in like whatever you have. And yeah. I put and tortellini in it. Yeah. I, ha- I married an Italian, so uh-huh. like homemade pasta and all of that. But yeah. Ooh la la. Um <laughs> Probably the first thing I ever learned to cook was chili. Mm. Um, so that's another something, thing that you need to have. Another thing that you need to have in your back pocket. A, I, I would call chili a stew adjacent food. Yeah. When I first <laughs> moved to New York City, I that was, I made chili like every Sunday. And that was just like all I ate for dinner because I could yeah. freeze it. It was easy. It was cheap. Yeah. Yes, a lot of rice-based dishes were kind of my first, uh, my first uh, forays into cooking. Um, but now I'm really on a hummus kick. I gotta say, Ooh. I probably make a homemade hummus, a little, a little pot of homemade hummus, like at least once a week now. Um, what are your thoughts on chocolate that... hummus? Ooh, that is controversial. Like to me, it's very controversial because yeah. I, I want to dip a carrot, you know, in a hummus. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, I mean, if it's there, I'll eat it. I mean, I, I, I would probably say that about most things. <laughs> if it's there, I would eat it. Don't worry. But, um, yeah, I, I gravitate towards, I just, I love savory things, even mm-hmm. with baking, which I got into as a sort of stress relief, um, a few years ago. 
I I still really enjoy baking um, like savory quiches and things like that a little bit more than sweet things because um, I just I I have more of a craving I guess for for savory stuff. Well, I'm officially getting starving. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just like, ooh. I'm like now. I'm just. I'm. I'm I, I can very vividly picture or sense. I have no way. No idea how to phrase this. Um cracking open like warm sourdough and like the yes the flakes the, the, yeah oh <laughs> the smell like fresh baked bread what there's just nothing like it yeah one of life's it's very simple pleasures a croissant like oh. that somebody else made that I didn't mm. have to make forget about it <laughs> all right well good thing I'm gonna have to make some croissants after this <laughs> I, actually I, I do a good pen au chocolat that's my no really yeah From I was scratch? my best was my pandemic project <laughs> I would never I it was on my list of things to learn during the pandemic and then I would like get to it and I'd be like I'm not gonna do that because like you know the bakery down the street is selling them for like a dollar fifty and it's yeah. like 10 <laughs> times better than any croissant I would ever be able to produce myself and I know that and I know that about myself I just don't have the patience for lamination and that's okay I've I've made peace with that <laughs> it was the uh the the Nancy Myers movie it's complicated with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin and Stephen Steve Martin that made me want to do it because she makes the she makes them homemade like for Steve Martin like on a date and I was like that seems like a I great life skill in this movie but this sounds sexy as hell wait you've never oh it's so good okay it's, it's called it's complicated and Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin were married for like 12 years, have three children together, get divorced. And then he marries some like hot young thing and she's redoing her kitchen because she's a baker. And Steve Martin is her like super nerdy architect and he like has a big crush on her. Oh my God. But then her and her ex-husband are like at her son's college graduation. They like have like a one night stand. And then he's like, I miss you. Come back to me. Meryl, don't do it. <laughs> So it's complicated and it's so good it's a it's like a top tier nancy myers film <laughs> oh my goodness no i i'm slowly working my way through like because like i said i took a i took some time off from heterosexual romance for quite a while because i just couldn't care i just couldn't make myself care but i am now kind of working through a very long backlog of like classic rom-coms i just watched for the very first time in my life recently pretty woman which was oh, like wow, yeah. kind of an amazing movie. Like I mm -hmm. couldn't believe I'd never watched it before. Yeah. I saw that when I was way too young. I did not yeah. know what Vivian did. I just thought she wore short dresses. She's just a, a working girl who yeah. wears short dresses. Yes. You know? um, that's so funny that you say that because my friend literally just premiered a play called um, <laughs> Boring Heteronormative Sex. Yes. <laughs> And it was iconic. It was so witty and funny. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, okay. All right. Amazing. Great. I love this. I need to see it. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully it has. I'm hopeful for them that it will take the next steps. Um, all right. So moving back into the, the realm of chef's choice, if you had to assign a song to this book, would would you do you have one at the ready I do I actually made a little playlist for this book while I was writing 
um, you can find it at my website. Um, but if I'm honest, like I only really listen to like one song on repeat while writing this book, which and it's on that playlist. It's a song by Sylvan Esso. It's called Coffee. Um, I don't even know like where I first heard this song or why, but it was like kind of just rattling around in my like, you know, on my playlist for quite a, a long time. And one of the one of the annoying character traits, one of many that Jean-Pierre has, is um, this obsession with coffee and pour overs and fancy like- Coffee snob. Yeah, he's a huge snob yeah. about it. And I knew that I wanted him to be like that from the very start, like before I knew anything else, before I knew his name, before I knew what he looked like, before I knew like what the story was gonna be about. I was like, ah, oh, he should be like really into like coffee or something. Um, and then I like was like, well, let me start making a playlist for this book <laughs> before, I, before I get too far into it. And that was the first song that I picked. And I just like listened to it over and over, uh, over again. It's a duet. There's a, a man and a woman, I believe, singing um, the song together. And it's just like, I think it just perfectly encapsulates their relationship. It's very dreamy and very wistful. Mm. And yeah. Well, I'll have Check to listen out. to it. I've not heard of it, so I'm excited to listen to it. So when you're writing, would you say that you are a silence or like a one song on repeat person? Well, the one song on repeat, that's for when I'm like stuck on the subway. <laughs> when I'm sitting on the A train and like we're not going oh. anywhere, then like, and I don't have the brain cells to like absorb a podcast or a audiobook, then I then I put on the playlist of whatever book I'm supposed to be writing <laughs> while I'm stuck on the subway. Um, and that's where I listen to the one song on repeat. But when I am actually like sitting down in front of my computer to to write, uh, yeah, it does have to be silence because if mm -hmm. I'm hearing any lyrics or any other noises, I just like get distracted. Um, so yeah, just tea, a candle that smells nice and 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 quiet, super early in the morning so that no one's bugging me. <laughs> um, oh, and then I just go early morning writing. I love yeah, that. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't ever want to be a morning person and I just like discovered on accident that this is when I do it the best so I guess I'm just doing this for the rest of my life <laughs> oh yeah I relate to that I just think after four o'clock my day is done <laughs> like, oh yeah are you kidding well for me it's more like 2 30 these days <laughs> like that's okay as far as that. like writing goes any yeah. writing quote unquote that gets done after lunch is like <laughs> all right well <laughs> Let's just see what this looks like in the morning. It's probably not going to be coherent at yeah. all. <laughs> um, all right. So now that we've got two of your books, I think, you know, when someone finds an author that they love, they're always like, how do I get more of this author in between releases? So what's on your summer reading list? What are you recommending for readers who love your books? Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. So. Uh, again, it's been a busy year for me. I have not had a ton of time to read, but the books that I have finished lately that I cannot shut up about and that I continue to tell people about whenever anyone asks is the most recent one was um, Anita Kelly's uh, latest uh, Something Wild and Wonderful, which is a beautiful, beautiful story. If you've not read it, it's, it's so good. Um, it's so good. Uh, I am not a outdoorsy hiking type personally but like Anita sells this 
the story and this premise to me um, completely. And I read it in like a day, um, which I hardly ever do. So I can't not mention that book. And other books that I've been super into lately, I read a lot of YA just because like there are so many cool queer like mm-hmm. stories being told in the YA space um, traditionally and, and continues to be. Um, so self-made boys, if you've not picked it up, it's a YA queer retelling of the great Gatsby Ooh. Um, by Anna Marie McLemore. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I'm sorry if I'm not, um, I love a retelling, <laughs> an amazing retelling. I hated the great Gatsby when I read it. Um, you know, as an, you know, as an adult, I reread it thinking like, well, maybe I'm now old enough to appreciate this. And I still was like, I don't, <laughs> but like this retelling just like, uh, it stole my heart. And another book that I can't stop talking about is like my favorite book from last year. I think it came out last fall. It's, um, uh, Lev A.C. Rosen's, uh, Lavender House, which is like a closed mansion murder mystery noir. I know, but if like, it's not romance, but everyone in it is queer basically. And it is just, it's like knives out, but like the detective is definitely gay and not just like maybe for the first movie. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, that sounds so good. It's a great great book. And I think a sequel to that is coming out soon. I hope it's a series that, you know, I get to read like 75 or 100 of these uh, books because I want to read about this detective going on adventures forever. So please read that. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody go buy it so that they get more book deals. Please. (laughs) For me. (laughs) Just for me. Don't do it for the author. Do it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anything for you, TJ, because this has been such a delight. You are so wonderful. I'm so unbelievably humbled and thrilled that we were able to have you come on the show. Um, So do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I mean, I would say, um, no, me, <laughs> like it's, I, it's me. That's very, very grateful and thankful. Um, you know, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me yak about things that, uh, I care about and yeah, thanks for, thanks for reading my books, I guess. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Yay. Well, chef's kiss is already out and chef's choice is available everywhere. May 30th. We will have links to pre-order uh, some second chances in Newport, Stephen, uh, not Newport, Stephen, uh, <laughs> Stephen! <laughs> in our show notes. Um, but I'm so excited for everything that you have going on and I can't wait to keep reading your books. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, TJ. As I said, Chef's Choice is available everywhere. If you want to pick it up from your independent bookstore, it is such a great book. It takes place, as we said, in the world of high-class restaurants and it's a great foodie book and it is just so swoon worthy and I hope that everyone falls in love with Luna and JP as much as I did. This series and this author is a must read so please check them out wherever you get your books. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Pod. 
All rights reserved 2020.